with episode 3294 of the Survival Podcast. It's a Wednesday. I'm back in town, and we are back to our regularly scheduled programming. So today is interview day. I have a special guest who wants to keep his exact name, well, not exactly public. So we're going to call him Kenny G, and we're going to have him on in just a moment. He has been around the block a few times, seen the legal system, or the justice system from some of the angles that you probably have not. I've actually had a few encounters with law enforcement, and while they all ended up okay, I know exactly where Kenny's coming from, and I think this is an incredibly important show. Uh, maybe as important as the show I did years ago that I've run as Rewind several times with Masada Yub on lethal, lethal Fourth force aftermath if you ever actually have to use your sidearm to protect yourself or a gun in your home to defend yourself and you actually lay a bad guy out there's some things you need to do and not do and you might think well that's a serious situation obviously that requires care let me tell you something every single encounter with law enforcement has the potential to go incredibly bad. You get pulled over, you think it's because you're a few miles over the limit or something, you have no idea. Here's an example. This is very, very long time ago. I was a little kid. My old man got pulled over on I-95 between Florida and Pennsylvania. The, the guy that pulled him over sounded like the Dukes of Hazard type guys. Like, I'm going to put you back into jail so far. They're going to have to pump sunlight in with a straw. It turned out there was an APB out for a vehicle that looked an awful lot like his, and they just assumed it was him. It ended up going okay, but it was in, even as a kid, I could tell you the tone started off in the wrong direction. You never know that's going to happen if that's going to happen. You never know what they know. Worse than you not knowing what they know, you don't know what they think they know. What they think they know is often the problem. I'm sure Ken will agree. We'll have him on in just a minute. Before we do that, let's go ahead and hear from our sponsors of the day. Sponsor today, number one today, is Start9 Embassy Servers. You know, I, I really got tired of understanding that just about everything I did everywhere online was always being tracked always being monitored, and more so, what I got tired of was the fact that any data that I was storing that I wanted to be accessed remotely that was in the cloud, there's no cloud. It's somebody else's computer that I could be shut out, shut down, censored. So when Start9 came to me and wanted to do something together, I was all in right away once I understood what it did. You can have end-to-end encrypted messaging. You can take back your digital sovereignty, manage your passwords, store all your files and photos, access them from anywhere in the world across Tor, stay encrypted, stay private, or run a Bitcoin node, or run a Bitcoin node and a Lightning node and a bunch of other stuff. If you can install apps on a phone, then I'm going to tell you right now, you can use Start9. It really is that easy. Next up today, and these guys just pair really where, really well when we have Start9 as a sponsor. Is sponsor today number two, Above Phone. Take back your technology. Even with a Start9, as long as you're using a typical smartphone, everything that you do, it, now you've got multiple problems. Your provider, right, AT&T, whatever, they're tracking you, recording what you do, etc. So is the manufacturer of the phone, and so are the people that make the apps. How about take it all back with Above Phone, a private and open 
marketplace of applications, uncensorable ways of exchanging information, and the ability to exist without having every single thing you do tracked. And guys, they're a huge supporter of the MSB. They give you $75 off any phone. And real quick before I bring Ken on, just want to let you guys know, um, I have a special going with Start, uh, Start 9 right now. If you buy their really badass, biggest, baddest, badass server, right, the one that's the most expensive, your discount, which is 9%, is doubled right now for MSB members. Yeah, I haven't put out a blog post on that. That's up until Thanksgiving. So this is a huge savings. It's like $295 savings on the most badass Start 9 server out there as an MSB member. How long does that pay for your MSB membership? With that, let's go ahead and bring our special guest on, Kenny G. Hey, you got a saxophone for us or anything here? I wish. <laughs> you know, if I was going to learn to play an instrument, just just saying, it probably would be the sax. Right. But uh, that's, that's what, we're what we're talking about today. Uh, what we're actually talking about today is encounters with law enforcement and the dark side of the justice system. When I got your app, I'm like, yeah, we should talk about this with somebody who knows what they're talking about. Uh, definitely. And we all know, like, don't talk to cops or whatever, but it's, it's, it's deeper than that. We're going to go deeper today. But can you start out with just how did you end up even in this space? Like, what, what was, what was your professional background or what were you, what did you want to do when you got out of school? And then how do you end up in this space? Oh, geez. Trying to think back that far. When I got out of school, I think I wanted to be a firefighter, actually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, apparently if you kind you're... of are, right? Okay, yeah, true enough. Just yeah. not, you know, the actual type. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, if you're colorblind, apparently they don't want you. So, okay. yeah, that down that, along with all hope of any military career I had, you know, go to Green Smoke. I can't see green. What do you want me to do? <laughs> So, yeah, after that, I got into sales. I started listening to the survival podcasts, and this crazy redneck duck farmer started saying, you should probably start your own business, and that's what I did. Cool, cool. What, what steered you in this direction? Is it something you had direct experience with or something you saw the opportunity and developed the experience to be able to do something with it? I had a bad experience in the legal system, and I went, huh, there's a lot of space here where I can fix things. And it went from legal to travel to people who are caring for elderly family members with autism or Alzheimer's. Oh, wow. I guess there's all types of ways that we can have the state come into our lives. Um, for the average person watching this show, though, we want to talk about kind of the concept of you know, be having a, an encounter with law enforcement ends up in you being arrested. And I think there's an awful lot of people out there say, sure, I could get pulled over and get a ticket or something like that. But in the end, like, you know, up till now, they've never had any issues with law enforcement. They don't have a criminal record. You know, they figure if the cop runs their thing and they're 50 years old, like I am, and they have no criminal record or that they're going to be just given a pass or whatever, that this is not something to have to worry about. Why should the average person going about their daily life, minding their own business, bothering nobody, even worry about being arrested? A lot of reasons. Number one, as I'm sure I don't have to tell you, you're a criminal. You probably break an average of mm, 15, <laughs> 20 laws a day. They're yeah. just laws no one cares about. Yeah. I mean, as of 2009, it was legal to sing happy birthday in a restaurant. And the other flip, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And the other flip side of that is, suppose 
you're driving down, you get arrested, you know, you do the whole, hey, can the license, registration, all that nice, happy jazz. And after that, they say, huh, I suspect you might have something in the vehicle, Mr. Spirico. I'm going to search it. They search this vehicle. They find something. They put it in their drug tester. And it turns out that you have meth. You don't. It's <laughs> Biltong or whatever. Yeah. But it's perhaps positive for meth. And now what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. And I think reinforcing your point, um, this book, Three Felonies a Day, this is federal. Uh, there wouldn't be a book called Three Felonies a Day if this wasn't a problem. You wouldn't be able to write this book. You wouldn't be able to come up with enough material for it. Um, I don't know that it's completely accurate that people commit three felonies a day, but I think it's certainly plausible on any given day you might because there's so many laws we're not even aware of existing. So, so I certainly see the point of this. But, you know, let's say that what you just said happens. Finds a freaking speck of biltong that fell out in my console or whatever. Like, no, here it is. You can eat it. Try it. Like, doesn't that work? Doesn't that get this guy to start using his uh, his brain and it starts to realize that, like, I mean, I don't know what can cause these things to, to turn blue or whatever, but I know that you can definitely have false positives. Absolutely. These tests are actually notorious for false positives. There was a woman who got arrested because she had cotton candy. And they put the blue cotton candy in the test, and in fact, it turned the test blue. Therefore, it's obviously meth, and she's going to prison, or pardon me, jail. And because she had a large amount of it, she got charged with intent to distribute and had over a million dollars bail. So, see, this is one of these things where people say, well, it's not really a problem because clearly to, to prosecute this person, you're going to have to have better than a field test kit from an officer. But this person's in jail now with a million dollars bail. Uh, usually that means you need temporary 100 grand. Right. So let's say it's me. I end up in the clink for cotton candy because who would have ever thought that blue food coloring would turn something blue? And now I know that long term I I might be okay here, but I'm sitting in the clink. I phone up my wife, hey, come bail me out. What happens now? Uh, so first off, don't think you're going straight from getting arrested to the clink. Number one, your car or truck's getting towed, so that's something you're going to have to worry about. Number two, you have to go through processing. Processing can take anywhere from an hour to 12. So your call to your wife saying that you're in the clink might be happening at two in the morning. Correct. I've, I've been there. I'll explain it in a minute, but go ahead. On top of that, not only are you going to have all this stress, you are going to get thrown in with someone you have never met, who chances are is coming down from something. Yeah. Yeah. When I was in my 20s, I had an unpaid ticket that I was unaware of. It had to do with a girl I was living with at the time and traveling and leaving. I won't get into it, but I, I just didn't even know I had this ticket unpaid. I got pulled over in the airport on an access road, a toll road. And I ended up because there was a warrant out for not paying a ticket in airport jail overnight. And there was nothing I could do there because they didn't want me. They didn't care. They were just told to hold me. I got picked up by Dallas County PD, taken down a loose stare justice system. I was able to make a phone call within a few hours. 
the guy that was coming to pick me up and I was released on, released on my own reconnaissance, right, was told twice after showing up I'd already been released. I was still sitting in there. I didn't get out until about 7 o'clock in the night, and this was over a ticket, and I spent almost 24 hours in the system for a ticket. So if they think you did something more serious than not pay a ticket, it could be a hell of a lot worse. Correct. Another point, it really depends on where you get arrested. I know New Hampshire, Maine, Massachusetts, they don't have bail bonds agents anymore. So if you're held on a million dollars bail, you got to come up with a million dollars. What states are those? Uh, Maine, New Hampshire, Massachusetts. Don't have bail bonds agents anymore. That's crazy. Has the, have the courts factored that in at all? No. no of not. Uh, our company is still listed under bail bonds because we used to pair with bail bonds agents to be like, hey, we have a client here. Let's get them out. Here's their bail money, all that stuff. And we probably get easily 20, 30 calls a month saying, hey, I have bail for this much in the state of New Hampshire. Can you help? And the mm-hmm. answer is nope. Sorry. Wow. Um, now, New York, they've kind of gone crazy with the no bail release. Is that why they like is it just not worth the bail person being in business there anymore or what? <sighs> Depends a lot on the area. Like with right. New Hampshire. They have a bunch of laws that you need to follow and a bunch of certificates you need to get to become a bail bonds agent. Or, yeah. However, to go through that process is a huge pain, and it's just infrequent enough to be obnoxious at this, of this moment because they are literally going through various processes to try to redo the laws at the moment. Okay. Okay. So, you know, how can this be more complex? Like you said, I could be pulled over for something. Uh, A field test kit gives a false positive. Maybe I get thrown in the clink. Maybe I have to wait a day to get out. My wife comes down and gets me out. When they go to test this stuff, it turns out that the state admits this was cotton candy or whatever. we're sorry we screwed up, you know, your life briefly, Mr. Spirico. Here's your your bail money back and go on with your life. What are some ways that that can be not so simple? Well, so suppose you don't get bail. Or suppose they say, say that your bail is cash only. Okay. Now she's got to come up with a million dollars, and I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. So now you're going to be have a prolonged stay in jail. You are going to be eating food that is labeled not fit for human consumption. Not, I really wish I was kidding about that one. No, no. At this point, your amount to get things done depends on exactly how much you have in your bank account. So let's say, for instance, you are going to be in jail for four months. That's a pretty average about how long it takes for them to get the test back. How long is your podcast going to last with you in prison for four months? Yeah. Yeah, it certainly would hurt. I think I think my people are pretty loyal, but I could see a lot of businesses being gone. In fact, I know two people in this community that have very successful businesses today that thought they had a business to come back to, and it was other factors just from time away. But they came back to nothing. 
Yeah. They came back to less than nothing, like cleaned out, like one, the wife leaves, cleans out the bank account, sells off all the inventory, nothing left. You're worse than nothing by the time they got back. On top of that, you can bet that the police station, their PR guy, is going to be running to their local news outlet about how they arrested Jack Spearco with supposedly this amount of meth on him. Yeah, they would do that. Like, if you have any notoriety whatsoever, and maybe not international notoriety, like if you're known locally somehow, if you're some, you have a significant business in your community, you're going to be in all the local paper, local news, all that shit. Like, they salivate over stuff like that. Oh, yeah, and it's going to be your mugshot, and oh, yeah, it might even hit CNN if you're really slow news day. And we can't all be Trump, you know, and, and make a mug out of it and do fundraising with it. Like, it's a real problem for the average person, uh, big time. What kind of stressors are there involved in a situation like this? I don't know about you, but I hate to use the phrase, I am the head of my household. I make sure stuff gets done. I am the primary earner. <laughs> and this is the reason why they say prison saves people and for others it really doesn't do anything because if you are some strung out junkie and prison helps you sober up great however if you don't care and you have no one on the outside you don't care prison literally does nothing it's just a break however if you're a family man you have a business and you're sitting there listening to your wife cry on the phone about how she can't handle everything (laughs) not to mention let's go back to that whole food thing you're used to eating paleo diet the entire time. Now you're going to go to bologna. Gray bologna, by the way. That's what I got at Lustera. It was great. I didn't eat it because I was only going to be there one day. But, like, eventually you got to eat. Yeah, eventually you got to eat. Again, your bunkmate might be coming down from something, complaining about the thing that looks like a combination of a manta ray and a spider crawling all over him. Yeah. Yeah. So... Then if they have something that they believe you have that's illegal, for instance, again, the meth, cotton candy, it's very likely that they're going to then tear your shit apart at your house or your office or both. Like they're going to go to a judge and say, we caught the guy. We got a positive drug thing. It turned blue, your honor. Right. They had a great big bag of it with Texas State Fair on it. Like they were hiding it, trying to pretend it was cotton candy. Who knows what this guy has in his house or his business? And it probably is pretty easy to get a warrant at that point. Likely. For anyone who is a prepper, this is when your life starts going downhill significantly. I mean, I don't know about you, but I got a lot of really cool books like prepper porn. Mm -hmm. You know, like War of the Flea, 48 Laws of Power. I have a few books about translating Chinese, French, Arabic, stuff like that. They are going to cluster all these together in one giant pile and take a picture of them. On top of that, all your weapons are getting cataloged. Do you have a go bag by the door, Jack? Oh, you getting ready to flee town? Sure. sure. They are going to paint you in the most brutal picture absolutely possible. On top of that, all, if Dorothy's not home to open stuff for them, all your safes are getting ripped apart. 
They are going to bring out the grinders. They are going to cut everything open. If they find something that you're hiding, like suppose you got clever and you have one of those wall outlets, they will rip every single outlet you have out of the wall in an attempt to find another one. If you have closed circuit TV cameras, chances are they will shut that off for the search and take the footage with them. They did it to Trump. Why wouldn't they do it to Jack Spierko, right? I mean, they shut off Trump's security cameras at Mar-a-Lago while they served the warrant on a former president. What chance does Kenny G or Jack Spierko have there? Yep. None. Absolutely none. And we've all seen, like, you're talking about, like, don't throw everything in the picture, and they might put that out in the press, too. We've all seen the shit where it's like they found an arsenal. An arsenal. That's the word they always use. He had four rifles and a shotgun. And over a thousand rounds. Those are rookie numbers, right? For Frembers, those are rookie. I remember we would hear something like that on the radio. And like my uncle or something, this is when I'm a kid in a rural PA, would go, wow, he was planning something. And I'd be like, Mark, you know, I go, Mark, Mark, don't, don't we have way more than that? And he'd go, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I see what you mean. Like, grown ass man, but just the propaganda machine feeding that out. And that's the same thing. They're, and they're going to do that because they're trying to build a case. And this whole idea that justice is blind to me is bull. Uh, they do this in the public. They smear people in the public. They put as much fear as they can in the public. Because that prosecutor is always going to want to make some kind of deal for you to plead to something. Plea deals are brutal. And they will do their best to make sure you take one, which is another thing people don't know about. Now, I want you to suppose you've been in prison for six months so far. The test hasn't come back. You're waiting for your turn up to bat, whatever. Prosecutor comes in and goes, tell you what, Mr. Spierko, sign this time served. Guilty of maybe a felony or two. But you'll walk out the door an hour after this signed. Do you take it? I probably wouldn't, but I can see a lot of people would. I absolutely could. I can see that if they would reduce it to a misdemeanor, I might. After six months, right, and that's it's only a misdemeanor. And it, what this makes me think of, we were watching a TV show, which one is not important, but it's British. And one character in it said something about she didn't have any arrests or cautions. I'm like, what the hell is a caution? I never heard of that before. Turns out in England, if you're, like, caught with a drug possession or something, a lot of times the cop will write you what looks like a ticket, and they call it a caution. And you never go to court. They just say it's a slap on the wrist, whatever. But then it, then there was, I read a whole article about how it fucked people's lives up. Like if they want to travel and stuff like that internationally or certain jobs that you would think wouldn't care. And, and honestly, had you been arrested and convicted of some of the things you would get a caution for, it would be better for you than taking this caution because in an effort to protect people, they cloud it. So the entity looking at it doesn't see what it really is. Now, I don't know how that applies to the United States, but I'm just saying there's like I never heard of that before. And if I hadn't been watching a pop culture crime thing, I would have never found out that that was a thing. And I, I assume there's tons of weird little things like that that can screw people up. They think, oh, this isn't that bad, but it can be that bad or worse. Oh, yeah. Uh, something else. That's a fun fact. Most people don't know. Suppose do you use facial recognition for your phone or your fingerprint. If you do, I don't smart, man, they can literally just hold that phone up to your face, unlock it and go through it. Yeah. Yeah. And they can get away with that too. 
Absolutely. They and only need a warrant if you got a password. If you had a law that said they're not allowed to do it, they would just say, I don't know, I picked it up, it was unlocked. Right? Anybody that says cops don't lie doesn't know anything about cops. I'm sorry. I'm absolutely sorry. I have a family member who's a cop, and I said something in you know mixed company with him and his wife there about cops being trained to lie, and, and, and the wife went nuts on me. Right? They don't lie. And the, and the husband sits there, wait till she's done. He goes, well, actually. Yeah. We are trained to lie. We're absolutely trained to lie as part of interrogation, as part of trying to gain information. Like, yeah, we lie all the time. You know, and I mean, if you don't think they lie, I, I don't know. You watch too much TV, I think, you know, uh, where people get out, out of jail instantly as soon as they figure out, oh, we made a mistake. Like, I think legal shows and medical shows have done the most to confuse people with what reality is. You know, like the person goes to the hospital, 47 doctors are trying to figure out what's wrong with them. And they always cure them by the end of the episode. The same shit with these crime shows, right? Like, oh, we made a mistake. Let them go. Like that's that, there's no priority in getting anybody out. There really isn't. And on top of that, as I'm sure you've seen, sometimes they'll double down on their mistake to make it look like they didn't make a mistake. Yeah. Well, there's been, I've done enough research to seen that over and over again, especially not just cops, prosecutors, especially prosecutors, not disclosing information that they're supposed to disclose things like that uh, too. Um, let's say it's something different. It's not, it's not blue, um, blue cotton candy. It's, it's something similar to my old man. Like they think I was in a place I was dumb they said, where are you coming from? And I said, you know, this general area over here, that's where this thing happened. They had a sighting of a car that looks like mine. They arrest me for some crime that I supposedly committed. But during the time the crime was committed, when I was in this general area, it's at my best friend's house. There was five other people there. I tell them who to go talk to. It's an airtight alibi because they know full well. I didn't even have time to talk to them because they have me in front of them. They go to my alibi. My alibi says, yeah, he was here. He was here from here to here. And everybody has the same story. That's about as airtight as it gets. It's not my wife lying for me, right? It's like a group of people. There's more than one. Am I good? No. (laughs) 99.9% of the time, the police don't check your alibi. Oh, I was here. Oh, that's great. Well, that'll make a great defense. It's not their job. Right. No, it is not. It makes me think of the uh, you've seen the picture, right, where it's like the painting truck came by and put the new lines on the road. And there's like a dead raccoon and the lines of the paint just go over the raccoon. And it, the, the caption is not my job. The guy that paints the road, it's not his job to move the raccoon. So he just paints over the raccoon. And that's I think, you know, if you. I am as hard on cops as anybody, but I'm also saying like these are guys, they work a shift. They have a lot of responsibility, a lot of stuff that they have to do. One minute they're dealing with an actual criminal. The next minute they're trying to put some guy in jail that doesn't belong there. The next minute they're dealing with a domestic, and then they're dealing with a car wreck. So there is a division of labor, and I guess that's – you would think that was their job, but I think it probably also has to do with, like, what kind of crime are you being accused of? Like, I would think in a murder investigation, they might be more apt to have a detective involved who might do that where if it's a possession of vandalism, burglary, probably not at all. 
anything, uh, murder, anything that involves children, obviously, a few other big, I don't want to say headlines or big deal cases, they might check into it. But here's the thing. Suppose they do. They check into your alibi. And they say, oh, hey, yep, Jack was here. We have five witnesses that are saying it. The police are even uh, getting a warrant for the video footage because you were at a club and they had cameras or wherever. They still ain't letting you out. That's not their job. They might give it all to the prosecutor. Yeah. And then when the prosecutor gets it, the prosecutor goes, oh, okay, well, there's no case here. Sorry, Mr. Spearco, our bad. We totally ruined your life. Yeah. State's apologies. Best of luck. Or they might not. Absolutely might not. not. They might sit on it, especially considering you're such a high profile. I mean, you've got some serious advantages over, you know, the average blue collar guy. You can probably afford a fairly good lawyer. Yeah. You have a large support network. Legal. However, this also means you're higher profile. Yeah. So imagine being the prosecutor that brought down the survival podcast, hmm. this induct- indoctrinated cult. Oh, yeah, I-, I could see him spinning that. Especially if I'm like over in Dallas and liberal land. Right. Then, you know, really like because there is political motivation on that side of things. There definitely is. I mean, these a lot of these positions are elected positions and they want something to campaign on and taking down like even though I have nothing to do with it. The ultra MAGA militia leader of, you know, or something like that. I could see that being something that they would do. Right. I can see that being something that they would do. And there's a lot of things like I want to get into trials next. Just people think, well, at least when you got in a trial, you'd be able to present that evidence. But I don't know that you would. A very high-profile case was the Lacey Peterson thing, where Scott Peterson supposedly killed his pregnant wife and threw her in the, in, the, uh, in the bay in California. Now, whenever I heard that he went out on San Francisco Bay on a fishing boat and dumped his wife, in my head, I always saw like a mid-sized Boston whaler or something like that. I don't know if you've looked into this case, but he was basically in like a John boat with like an outboard, like a 14-foot fly. So this is already in danger of being, if you've ever seen San Francisco Bay, this is not exactly uh, a seaworthy boat for San Francisco Bay. Well, his defense team got a person exactly his weight. They took a mannequin that was exactly Lacey Peterson's weight, wrapped it up the way it was found, put it in the boat, took this boat, put it on like a pond at a park, and had this guy try to dump the body out of the boat. Every time he stood up and picked that body up, he sunk the boat. Exact same boat, exact same weight, every single. And the judge never allowed that to be shown to the jury. Now, I don't even understand what justification there is for that. If you want to say, well, it could be done and it would be up to the prosecution, you would think, go out and replicate it and prove just two expert witnesses, put them up against each other. No. So I can see things a lot less um, concrete than that being denied once I'm in court trying to defend myself. I reside in the state of New Hampshire. Okay. And we actually had a big hubbub come about recently because there is a federal law saying if a piece of evidence is exculpatory, you need to allow it in. Okay. It doesn't matter if this evidence was found on the sidewalk, delivered by aliens, a random phone call. Yeah. Just saying, hey, you know, I know so-and-so didn't do this. You need to look into this person, whatever. 
makes sense, right? If this sure. can be exonerate use and you're free, we should be allowed to use it. Well, New Hampshire has been ignoring that for years. They've just been doing their own thing. Nope, we don't want this, whatever. And actually, it was really recently, 2002, finally brought it up to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said, no, you, uh, you can't do that. If it's exculpatory, you have to let it in. And that's just one state and just one thing that I know about. So I can imagine in other places, like where you said, the whole boat yeah. thing, that's not concrete. That's just me doing an experiment. Yeah, that's not exculpatory because it's not directly related to the case. Correct. And it, it wasn't found. It wasn't brought in. No one said a thing. It's not It's not that somebody found like something he possessed at a place to put him as a, some sort of pseudo alibi. Those would be exculpatory. This would be we are demonstrating that what the prosecution claimed happened can't happen. Now, to me, that's exculpatory, but it's not under the legal definition of the word. I understand where you're coming from there. That's that's kind of sickening. I, I, I am of, you know, we have like the fantasy world the way things should be. And in that world, I am of the belief that defense should be able to present anything they want in their defense. Right. That's that's the whole point of presenting a defense. But that's not how it works. Correct. So you're going to take this thing to the hoop, right? You're going to fight your charges 100% of the way because you know that you are innocent. Okay, well, good luck, number one. Number two, a lot of people think, oh, jury of my peers, I'm going to be judged by a lot of redneck hippie duck farmers. <laughs> no, no, peers comes back from like when we were still subjugated to Britain and we had titles so basically, you couldn't have, you know, noblemen judging a peasant, stuff like that. Okay. Nowadays, we don't have peers. We're all equals. So it's literally just 12 people who can't get out of jury duty or who don't want to get out of jury duty. Yeah. So that person who's worried about, you know, Kim Kardashian, that's the person who's going to be judging your guilt or innocence. Yeah, I've always so, said you're trusting yourself to 12 people that are not smart enough to get out of jury duty. Right. Yeah. You know, much. And the people that are most likely to be an advocate are the most likely to not end up on that jury, even if they're willing to do it. I I would submit to you that if I were summoned for jury duty and I showed up, I would never end up sitting on a jury. They would never let me there. The minute that either side looked into who I was, they'd say, no, veto, because they we both get a certain amount of vetoes. Just no explanation whatsoever. I don't want that guy. Likely. Uh, the thing, another thing is, Choosing your lawyer. This is literally more important about whether or not you actually did the crime. Okay. Now, a lot of people can't afford their lawyer, so they're going to get stuck with a public defense attorney, which, hey, some of these people are very hardworking. However, I will almost guarantee you they have not had a chance to look at, their, at your case until they're literally walking in to see you. Sure. Like they're literally sitting there with a folder looking it over. And if you want to take a plea deal, by all means, go with your public defender. They know the prosecution. They are on good terms with them. They could probably get you a really sweet plea deal. You're going to want to buy your lawyer. I hate to use that term, but that is proper yeah. term in this analogy. And you are going to want your lawyer to be like a honey badger jacked up on steroids that survives on nothing but chewing tobacco. If that judge makes a mistake, you want your lawyer to rip them up and down the other side. That is not going to happen. <laughs> it doesn't matter if the 
prosecutor goes so far into left field that, you know, your lawyer should be filing stuff against them. They're not going to do it because this lawyer has, unless you get someone out of state who has no ties here, they have to deal with these people day in, day out. And as good as it might feel for that lawyer to tear up one side, the judge or the prosecutor, they've now made an enemy for the rest of their career. And it's totally going to mess them up from that point on because that judge is going to hold the grudge as is that prosecutor. And that's not something you can have. You need them to be your advocate and their adversary, but they're going to be probably your advocate, but they're also going to get along with the other side, which means you're not going to get the most aggressive defense that's possible. And we all know God says you're going to need it. You you, you really need your net. What you're basically saying is unless you're OJ Simpson hiring a dream team for a few million dollars. You're not getting a defense that you really need to have. Correct. Hmm. Think about it like playing poker with your neighbor. Okay. You, you might take a few hundred bucks off your neighbor, especially, you know, if you know he can afford it, ah, whatever. He's just going to use this to buy beer, stuff like that. But you're not going to take a few thousand from him. Because, you know, he's never going to play poker with you again. Or if he does, he is literally going to be in it to scalp you every single time now. But you got to look at each other every day when you take the garbage out on Wednesday. You know, his kids are over there. You took their their lunch money. Like, you just aren't going to do that because it makes you a bad neighbor. And these people, essentially, I never thought about it that way. They're kind of neighbors, right? They're always – that guy's going to go against the same prosecutor tomorrow for a totally different client. He might be in front of that judge for five cases in one day. That same judge, and he pisses that judge off and that judge hates him. He's going to, that judge is going to be legally allowed to be, but yet prejudiced against that, that defense attorney. Yep. Those next four people after you, they do not have a good shake. What what does the cold court scenario then actually look like? Because I have a feeling that, if you grew up watching, what was his Raymond? What's his name? The the the, the, the big fat guy uh, with the beard, like uh, Raymond. I think it was that the, the actor was named Raymond Burr. Uh, but the, the I can't think who he was. He's a big time uh, lawyer TV show back in the eighties, you know. And he would always come into this and save his clients. Like it probably isn't going to look anything like that. No, the best way to describe a actual court hearing, especially in the criminal world for felony or anything above it's tea with politicians Mm. you might have some discourse you might have some disagreements however it's all very polite everyone no one's shouting there is no admit you did it It's all very calm, very polite, and chances are both your lawyer and the prosecutor are going to have a joke with the judge before anything even starts. (laughs) You need a TV line to be again, right? Yeah. You ever seen that show, Suits? It's great. I love it. I love it. I watched the whole thing. The last season lost me because Mike left, but yeah, otherwise it was a pretty entertaining show. But I get a feeling that's not how it really is. (laughs) <laughs> no, like, oh, I'm going to go after this guy. I hold a grudge. Nope, can't do it. If you do, you've totally burned every connection you have in that town. 
because mm. if you hold the grudge, that guy's going to hold the grudge against you, and that's it. Anytime you go up against that person, they are going to go to the wall against you. Same thing with the judge. I mean, you don't want... Okay, let's see here. It says you blew a little bit over. This should be no problem. Get you out of this. You look over, and it's that prosecutor who has got a grudge against you. Hmm. Ah, crap. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so basically, I'll compromise this client so I don't compromise all of my clients, is what you're saying. And so you you can try to turn them into the bad guy, but they're doing what they have to do in the situation that they're in, and it's their job, and they do it every day, and they know it better than we do. Correct. Hmm. So now we're at the end of this. What are the outcomes that are possible? I've gone to trial. They tried to prosecute me for purple uh, cotton candy. Somehow they buried enough of the evidence that they ramrodded it through. I had a good lawyer. He did a good job, best he could under circumstances. What are the different outcomes that can come out of, of being in court? One, you can have a mistrial, in which case, depending on how profile your case is, depending on, you know, what it is, they might try you again. In which case, once you get out of court, there's probably someone waiting for you with a set of handcuffs. Just, and you're going back to prison. Okay. You want to talk about frustrating? You just spent four to six months leading up to this, and now you've got to do it all over again. And the expense there is extreme. Before you go on, I, I, I have a little legal thing going on right now. It's not a big deal. It's not anything criminal or anything. It's just some stuff that needs to be done. Uh, my attorney had me put up 1500 bucks. They've already burned through $900 of it. And the last itemized thing on a bill was $59 to send me an email to tell me that they made a mistake. Right? So imagine four months of criminal defense, how much it's going to cost you. Now, please go ahead. Two. Best case scenario, you are found not guilty. Okay. You pop the top, you go home, you hug your wife, you pet your dogs, and you are trying to put your life back together after this PR smear campaign. Because you can guarantee every step of the way, you were probably in the news, especially with how pro- high profile you are. Mm-hmm. And, and then maybe worse than me, somebody that's not even that high profile, but like small town. Like, you can disappear in Dallas-Fort Worth. There's 6 million people here. But imagine a person going through all this in a town of, you know, 1,500, two or 3,000 people. Everybody knows that Kenny G-Jerk, he was arrested for, right? That's what they know. And in a lot of small towns or even in the voice of public opinion, they just view it as you beat the charge. Yeah. You are still guilty. You just beat the charge. So last, go ahead. Last but not least, you have guilty. Okay. In which case your life is going to take a serious change and you are going to big boy prison. Prison and jail are two different things. Jail is meant for short term, generally a year or less, and prison is meant for long term, a year and a day. Mm. Depending on what prison you go to, what state you're in, you may get good behavior or you may have to take classes to get time off your sentence. And if you are allowed to take classes for time off your sentence, you can guarantee there's a line of 50 people behind you 
waiting to take those same classes and 50 people ahead of you. So you're going to have to get comfortable. And I've got this on my record for the rest of my life. This, it's almost impossible to get rid of. I can try an appeal. It's probably not going to happen. Um, and I think one of the things people need to understand is when you take a plea deal, you give up any right to defend yourself in the future, no matter what becomes available. Space aliens could come down with a video of you tonight that it supposedly happened and show it to everybody. And they're like, oh, that's nice. You already gave up the right to do anything now that you've taken that. So it seems like the conviction is the worst, but in some ways maybe a plea deal could be worse because no matter what you obtain as far as an ability to defend yourself in the future, you can't use it. It depends on the nature of the plea deal. Okay. Uh, the Innocence Project, actually, I think it was 18% of them pleaded out. Oh, okay. The rest of them had total faith in the system or just said, I'm not going to plead out to something I didn't do. I'm going to fight this to the bitter end. And, hey, they were found guilty anyway. So so we've done a good job of, I think, maybe waking people up to this reality that you could be minding your own business and end up in a system like this, having not actually done anything. And, and, and you could be in the system for 24 hours or 24 months or much longer. You just don't know. But what we haven't addressed is, well, what the hell do I do to prevent this from happening? Like, person gets pulled over by the police. What should they do? What should they not do? One, don't start flexing your rights unless you've got a really good plan in place. <laughs> I know a lot of people who are, I'm an auditor. I'm going to, yeah, 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 that's nice. Right or wrong, you're still taking the ride and your life's still getting disrupted. Yeah. As I said, have a plan in place. Not giving legal advice, not a lawyer, don't even play one on TV. So take everything I am saying with a small Siberian salt mine. Okay. Number one. Get an SOS system set up. Me, personally, I like Hammer. It's a fairly good system. You don't have to pay for it. You can just watch videos and keep getting everything on it. It sends an SOS signal to someone else via text message. It also takes audio recordings of what's happening. And you don't have to actually, you know, get into the app. You can just open it via something like, I don't know, your smart device. Okay. That way, you have a plan in place. Your wife knows, hey, I just got an SOS signal. I might need to see where this winds up. If it winds up at the jail, she knows you got arrested. If it winds up at the hospital, she knows you went to the hospital. Either or. Always a good idea to have an SOS device Can you say in more place. about that app? You said it's called Hammer? Yep. H-A-M-M-E-R? Yep. Okay. And how does it work? You can set it up to send out a text to record audio. You can also set it up to track your device. It has more features than I ever use. You can choose to pay for it for a year, or you can just do what I do. When you're bored, just sit there and watch videos in the waiting room. Give okay. you two days per video you watch. So that's how, they, that's how they monetize it. They get you to pay attention to something, and they pay you for your attention, or you can pay it. And, of course, I don't know that you really need to pay attention. It just phone just has to... Run the video. Right. I'm going to look that app up and make sure there's a link in the show notes along with links to your resources as well, because that's probably worth tuning in today for alone, folks, right there. Because the most frustrating thing to me would be that you're in the pen and you can't call anybody to let anybody know where you are. 
Because my biggest worry, unless I really thought they were doing me up on something hard, wouldn't be so much I'm going to go to jail for a day. I've done that before. I didn't care for it. But it was what it was. Um, my wife not knowing where the hell I am and what happened to me and being freaked out and my son and my grandkids, etc. That would be the bigger concern where at least they would know, hey, something's going on and be able to kind of figure it out. So now I got somebody on the outside looking for where I'm at. Instead of having no idea what happened to me. Knowing is half the battle. I hate to yeah. quote no cartoon there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it was the one good thing about my experience when they took me to airport jail. You know, it's like they had like it looked like like Mayberry or something, you know, in the airport jail. And you want to make a call, go ahead, right? Like it was no trouble. Um, but once the people from Lusteret picked me up, like there was it was hours before I could update my people as to where I was, you know. And again, I wasn't that worried because it was a parking ticket, you know. But I could I could see now if it had been something more serious, whether I did it or not, how concerning it would be to not be able to communicate with people on the outside. There's a good chunk of reassurance knowing that people do know where you are and that help is on its way versus you've been sitting in a holding cell for 12 hours and no one has any idea what's happening. What else should we do? I'm, I'm sitting there in my car. I got a cop. He's, he's looking through, look, you know, looking in the window, asking to see things. What do I do? Number one, keep your mouth shut. Okay. Only ask questions, only answer questions that they ask you. And if it seems like it's really off point, just say, I don't see how that's relevant. You know, where are you coming from? Where are you going? Two very prominent questions. Please mm -hmm. ask when they fish. Yeah. Oh, well, I just got back from seeing my girlfriend. And what's her name? Yeah. How is that relevant to anything, man? I yeah. mean, yeah, they're yeah. fishing. Don't volunteer information. Never let them search your car. A while back, I hate to pound on the bad cop drum, but there was a sheriff who was planting drugs in people's cars. Yeah. Horrifying. It Legitimately is. horrifying. Life imprisonment should be the punishment. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you're, you are fucking with people's lives on a high level there. We're not talking about, you know, lying about the speed and saying the guy was doing five over when he wasn't. Right. That, that's inconvenient. It's wrong. It's dirty. But a speeding ticket never destroys somebody's life. Being caught with meth. Right. That destroys people's lives. Absolutely. And after that felony, you're not going to be able to keep your guns anymore, Jack. No, no. And it's Something so easy else. for them to get away with. People don't think it is. I've seen stuff on YouTube where you clearly see like a cop with a little package between his fingers, drop it into something and then pick it back up. And then they always say, well, they'll say something stupid like, well, we found it there. And then we were doing that to show where it was because we didn't take a like some bullshit like that. I've seen that done before. Something else, if you're worried that information on your phone might be misinterpreted, because keep in mind, like you said, it's not what they can prove. It's not what is the truth. It's what they think happened that matters. Yeah. Number one, don't use fingerprint or facial ID ever because they don't need a warrant to get in that. Number two, if you are using facial print or finger ID and you've just bought a gun, you, you bought it from John down the street, 
Okay. Your state has stupid barbaric laws, so you're probably going to catch a felony for this. And okay. you have text on your phone saying you did this. Ooh. Well, you can try to huck your phone like a football into the asphalt once you get out of the uh, car. But number yeah. one, I don't know about you. I got a case. Yeah. Specifically yeah. designed to protect against that. Yeah, I don't want when I drop it for that to happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Number two, let's face it. It looks really, really bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's shocking. Anything looks bad. Exactly. Best thing you could do in that situation is accidentally break off your charger inside your phone. Okay. okay. Uh, what, what's going on here? I, I don't know, man. I just yanked uh, it up. I'm nervous. I'm getting arrested. What do you want from me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, that might, that might actually work too. But yeah, I, I just don't do it. Like, I will use my code to get in and What's your code? I don't know. I'm really nervous now. I can't, I can't remember, but whatever, you know, like, or I don't think you need that information. I think you do have, like you said, don't be out there like reciting the constitution to them or whatever. So there's a lot of people that say, just don't talk to the police. Well, let's say I'm driving down the road and it's uh it's a 60 and I'm doing 70 because I thought it was a 70 state trooper pulls me over. He's got a legitimate reason to pull me over. I might not agree with it, but he does. Um, I'm driving, I'm on a state road paid for with taxpayer dollars. There's certain things I need to do. I need to provide in my identity, my driver's license in Texas. I don't really need to provide, um, the registration at all because it's all contained within the window sticker proof of insurance. And I need to not be a dick and balance not being a dick with not providing him information he doesn't need to have. Right. Correct. I mean, you probably see these YouTube videos all the time of people going, I don't have to give you my ID. Yeah. I'm allowed to record here. Yeah. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying that we have the expression dead wrong for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And I, to me, like, yeah, there's a there's a lot of things. I've seen cops ask for ID. Guy declines to give him ID. That guy's constitutionally right. You're driving a car on the road and you're pulled over by a car and you're asked for license. I don't know about your state, but in my state, you are required to provide that, assuming you Absolutely. have it. Right? Assuming you have it. And then the worst thing you could do is give him the wrong name. Like, I know a guy that destroyed his life by giving the police the wrong name when he didn't have ID on him. And, and just it just cascaded. It was like almost like some of these disaster scenarios that you're talking about where it cascaded one thing into another into another, and it kind of brought the ur down on him. And he had some things that were going on that he really shouldn't have. But it would have never been a thing had he not started there. And so, like, you don't want to give them lies. You either give them truthful information, very brief. This is my opinion. Anyway. If you want to alter it, then go ahead. Or you say I, that's not relevant or I don't want to answer that question. Yeah. Another thing you can do to be prepared in case this ever happens, do a little bit of research. Okay. Find an attorney who is out of state, which for you might be hard. Your state is like. 19 hours to drive through. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Find an attorney out of state who is licensed to practice in your state. Okay. Because then they can come in and be that jacked up honey badger on steroids because it's ain't my home turf. What do I care don't if I care. do things up? I'm here a couple times a year. This guy doesn't like me. I don't like him either. Tough shit, right? Yeah. I, that exactly. Would, that's an interesting strategy to have an out of state attorney on some kind of retainer or something. I guess especially if like, Part of why I don't worry about this as much as maybe I used to. I used to be on the road all the time. 
right? I don't spend a lot of time traveling around now. I would imagine many of the people you work with, they travel a lot. And that in, every time you go out, you increase the opportunity to have an encounter with law enforcement. Absolutely. Like if you don't leave your house, it's really hard to get hemmed up. Not impossible. Yeah. Just harder. There was actually a sheriff who got hemmed up on federal drug charges. And it turns out all the evidence they had was misinterpreted. It was just a bad recording. And the guy still spent like 16 months in federal prison. It's insane. There was uh, I covered it years ago. A couple that had bought like this is before the big boom in hydroponics and all. And they had bought like grow lights and stuff like that from Home Depot. And somehow it triggered something. And they ended up with their house completely raided because they thought they were setting up a grow house. Right. They grow dope and they weren't. And they sued and they, they, they made the case that the police had no right to do this in the first place. There was nothing there. There was no there there. And the court said, no, that's fine. They can do that. And, and they, what they were pissed about wasn't so much they served the warrant, but they did what you said. They didn't come in with a warrant, poke around, look at everything and go, yeah, you know, we're sorry. Like, oh, there's your tomatoes and shit. Okay. Yeah, that's that. Okay, that makes sense. No, they tore these people's houses completely apart. Now, if you were setting up a grow room, you wouldn't be hiding it in a in a in a wall outlet like you're saying, ripping wall outlets out and stuff. Like, you need space to do this, and that's specifically what they went in. There was a group of people here. I covered this maybe ten years ago. Um, they were kind of like the alternative lifestyle hippie type people, and I think it was done just because they were trying to force them out because they were in an area where there was no uh, codes where they could say you can't have this looking trashy here or whatever. And they got a warrant to look for dope because of photographs that were okra plants because they said it was cannabis. Right. And they had like these aerial photographs of like this patch of okra. And they went in there. And of course, immediately you can look at it and go, it's okra. I mean, even the Arlington PD is not this stupid. Right. But. They went in and ripped this place apart because once they're in there, I'm, hey, I got a warrant. Who knows what I'm going to find? Correct. And keep in mind, if you were wrong on one front, but you found something else, you're not so wrong anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So now I screwed up. I ran a warrant for dope without dope. But if I can find something, I save face with my with my boss. I save face with the prosecutor. I save face with the judge that issued the warrant in the first place. Correct. Ugh. This all sounds awful. Like it sounds like we don't have a justice for all system to me. I don't know about how you feel about it, but I don't feel like this is injustice for all. I prefer to think of it as a legal system than a justice system. Because yeah. let's face it, if there was justice system, there would be no difference between you, me, Donald Trump, whoever. It would yeah. all be the same. It's not. <laughs> God knows it's not. Like, if if they were going after for you or, you or me for what they went after Trump for, we'd be in prison right now. There's oh, no absolutely. way you'd have this many charges against you. Even if you had the money for bail or whatever, there's no way you would have this many charges in this many jurisdictions against you and be walking around a free man able to go into court and defend yourself whenever necessary. That's not going to happen. Correct. And our lawyer, rightfully, would be telling us to plead out. Feds have a 98.6% conviction ratio last time I checked. Yeah, they, they always say something like if, uh, if a federal prosecutor wants to convict a ham sandwich, he's going to put the ham sandwich in jail. Like it's, it's like that. And an indictment is nothing. 
You know, you can you can indict half a ham sandwich. Like if you ask for an indictment as a federal prosecutor, ninety nine times out of ten, you're going to get it, or a hundred, you're going to get it. Correct. And there's the other aspect of everyday life, just going about, driving around. Talk to anyone who you know who's in law enforcement, state police, highway patrol, local yokel, doesn't matter. Yeah. How long do you have to drive behind someone before you get an excuse to pull them over? Not long. And they do that shit too. One to five miles on average. Yeah. I didn't even get pulled over, but we had one time we were vacationing and we had to leave super early because we had a longer drive to the airport. We had to use a different airport. It was about four o'clock in the morning, Florida, you know, dark highway and I'm driving along the highway a car comes up on me sits right there just outside of the, the blind spot with high beams in my side mirror and my wife's like speed up get rid of this asshole I'm like it's a cop you know, Fatio, I'm like I know it's a cop so I just stayed there and he's there all they're waiting for is the wheel to touch a line that's all they need right well I didn't I stayed straight and eventually he pulled up alongside of me and you can see he was a cop and he had a partner with him they look in the car you know my wife's there the kids in the back asleep and they realize oh this is just some a family going somewhere and they just went on about their way um, but it doesn't always work that way I've, I've had the same shit happen when I was in my 20s a cop followed me state trooper old beat ass truck Pennsylvania tags on it I had just come down from Pennsylvania this was that ended up actually being funny because the entire undercarriage of the truck was like covered in coal dust. And uh, this guy looked like he was out of the academy about 15 minutes. He's all geared up. He's going to find the next big drug bust. And I did something dumb. It still worked out. He asked if he could search the vehicle. I'm like, go ahead. There's nothing in it. And he came out from underneath that truck covered in coal dust. Uh, that was actually pretty funny. He beat on the tire with his billy to see if there was dope in it. And like coal dust just fell on him. But, I mean, you know, the reason I bring that up, I should have probably told that guy no. Uh, you probably shouldn't consent to search, especially when you're pulled over for You seem to – that's what he said. You seem to wobble a little bit. He didn't even say I went off the road. You just wobble a little bit. He, and I, he said, why? I said, because you're sitting back there hanging out in my blind spot, and I get nervous when cops follow me. He said, why would you get nervous? Right? That's an example of probably said more than I should have. But how do you balance that? Because what they'll say is we're going to bring a canine out here. And that's another dirty ass thing they do. Every canine officer that I've ever seen has a freaking signal to that dog to get that dog to alert on the car, whether that dog is going to alert on the car or not. All it takes is that dog saying, hey, check this out. That's just putting his paws up on it or whatever. And they're, they're the canine officer. They can say the dog alerted whether the dog alerted or not. There was actually recently a case about that where someone who is an expert in training dogs was looking at the video and he said flat out, yes, this officer told the dog to alert. Hmm. So yeah. there is some progress in that area. And since you brought up driving with your wife and kid, what do you think happens if you get arrested when your kid's in the vehicle with you, especially if they're underage? If, if, if I and my wife both go, go to jail, he's going to CPS. Yep. Yeah. And if there's some CPS agent that probably thinks they're saving his life or some shit, it's going to make my life miserable even if the cops let me go. So what do I do when they want to search my vehicle? Flat out, tell them no. And the trick they'll use is say, do you mind if I search your vehicle? Yeah, 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 because he's saying yes. <laughs> You're saying yes. You say yes. You, you, you say no. You're saying I don't mind. 
right? They, so no matter what you say, so you have to be very specific. No, it is not okay for you to search my vehicle, something like that. Because if you give a single word answer, they'll just say, I thought he said it was okay. Correct. And that's where the whole cop saying, oh, this guy is such an asshole. Because he said, you know, I do not consent to any warrantless yeah. searches. Yeah. Oh, what do you think? You're a lawyer? No, I'm just telling you I am not consenting to any yeah. warrantless searches. Yeah. Yeah. And then they can hold you and bring a canine in. But I think that people shouldn't overfear that. There's only so many of those available. And it's a guy like any other guy. And unless I think this is something people need to understand. A lot of times when these cops are doing this shit, playing this dirty pool, they're doing it even though they know they're breaking the rules. They think there are these really dirty guys like the ones we talked about, like that have been caught, like planning evidence and stuff. But a lot of times I think these cops actually believe for some reason something hit them a certain way and they really think they're onto something. I know that young kid that climbed under my truck when I was a young kid myself. I know he thought this is a busted ass old truck. It's from Pennsylvania. It's on Highway 45 heading out of Houston, right? I got something here, right? Because contractors don't drive busted ass trucks and try to make a living in their 20s or something. Um, and so they believe something's a mess. And that's why I say you got to have like this balance of not being a dick, but also being firm. And it is, in some cases, a hard balance to make. The other thing is, something you don't want to do, a lot of people will say, oh, yeah, you should do that all the time. It's your right. Don't sit there holding your phone in one hand, recording the entire encounter. Keep mm. it mounted on your dash if you want to record and just have it tilted slightly. I, I'm a fan of dash cam video and just turn it. You don't have to point it out. You don't have to say anything. If the cop knows exactly. what you're doing, he knows what you're doing. And I, I actually think it could be beneficial because I think when people are being recorded, everybody tends to be on their best behavior, right? Because, like, and, and I, I imagine you would agree with this. Like, if you're doing that, that video should be streamed somewhere so that if they take it, confiscate it, that's fine. It's still, it's in the cloud, right? You know, maybe it's on your own server somewhere, but it needs to go somewhere. Because I've seen this, too, where they take things like a person recorded it and they accidentally step on it or whatever it is, or they lose. They take it your property when they arrest you. And, oh, we misplaced that. I don't know where it is. If we find it, here's a hand receipt. You'll get it back someday. You know, and maybe they find it. Son of a gun, it's erased. I don't know. Maybe it got close too close to the microwave when I heated up my burrito or whatever. Like, they play that dirty shit. Another good security tip is there is an app called Alfred. It works with most old cell phones. This actually happened with a client of ours. He had a big sign up saying, we have security. And they unplugged his internet. Wow. <laughs> but because he had the little Alfred cell phone camera going on and he had Comcast, apparently his neighbor also had Comcast. So when they unplugged his internet... It automatically hitched on to his guest network. Ah, so ah. they were still able to get the footage, and they actually had him saying, should we plant something? Holy shit. And since they thought they turned it off, they thought it was all – they were basically hot mic. Right? Correct. Like being caught on a hot mic at an interview, like for a politician or something. So, so tell us about – you have a website, right? Tell us about that and what you guys do. 
uh, our three contingencies. We like to think of ourselves as an emergency concierge service, which is where a lot of these advice and tips I'm giving come from. We have various plans ranging from bronze, silver, gold. We even have a platinum. It's not advertised on the site. It's for, you know, special clientele only. And we help everyone from high-risk clients to people who travel. We offer SOS devices. And if, God forbid, you ever have to shoot someone who breaks into your house and you trip that SOS device, we will literally call the prison before you get your phone call and say, hey, how much is Jack's bail? We'll also activate your legal services, your legal shield, everything you need to get you out of there. On top of that, we're really popular among people who have parents with Alzheimer's or special needs. If they go out wandering, we offer bracelets, stuff like that. So people see it and say, huh, what's this guy doing wandering out here? I'm going to call this number on his bracelet. We arrange for an Uber to get them home. We like to advertise our services are limited only by your creativity, imagination, and extent of your resources. And what's the cost of... uh Membership, subscription, whatever you refer to it as. Our lowest is $50 a year and our highest is 6000 Okay. Okay. And you had mentioned to me before we, we started this that you have people that like part of why they do this, they're heavily engaged in border crossings. They're going to Mexico or Canada regularly or something like that, right? And that might be the person that somebody says, well, do I need $6,000 worth of shit for? Well, maybe if you're like by your activity level, your likelihood of encounter goes up, then your amount of insurance, if you want to look at it that way, should probably go up. So a person that drives 5,000 miles a year probably isn't as worried about their auto insurance as somebody that drives 100. Correct. People who cross borders tend to be at a very high risk. It's especially common in the tech field. I see this a lot because you have a lot of devices and they want you to unlock all of them. For the border crossing. You've been in the tech field before. Do you want someone unlocking your device and looking at it? No. Exactly. We have clients who literally just grab their cell phone, toss it in the trash before they go to the border. Go through the border, have a cell phone? Nope. Not even a little. Okay. (laughs) Why don't we search you? Go for it. Yeah, because they don't have it anymore. Correct. Guy gets on the other side, gives us a call. Hey, this is Joe. I crossed here. I'm at this store. How quickly can you have a new cell phone to me? Eh, We'll have one to you in 45 minutes. Okay. I got you. I got you. Because if I, let's say I have this laptop right here that I'm using to have this conversation with you and it's in a case, it's in my car. I get pulled over in the United States. Will you unlock this computer for me? Absolutely not, officer. No way. Border, will you unlock this computer for me? No, that's fine. Bye. You're not coming into the country, right? That's how that works, right? Right. So you don't have the option of saying no. Now, that cop here in America can call for a canine. He can say he says that there's some suspicion. He can take your property if he arrests you. They can get a warrant. They order judge can order you to open it. But at least at that moment, you can say no. If I'm going into Mexico and they want to see it and I need to go, I don't get that option. Correct. If you want to come in, you've got to open it or don't have it. Those are your choices. Yeah. And who knows what's on there that they could use to say you did something, even though you did nothing at all. Right. Like 
Not like that. I just don't want somebody jacking around with my computer, my phone, things like that. I have data that's important to me. They might not even find anything. They could screw something up. I don't want anybody touching my stuff, right? I think that's a normal attitude that we all have, like especially like my important things. And, you know, we have a right to privacy in our persons and our papers and our places. Um, but, again, it all goes away on the border crossing. So I guess those – would, again, be probably the people that have the higher-end plans with you guys. Oh, yeah. And they'll actually go through, check your text messages, your videos, your pictures, everything. I mean, I'm a little bit spiteful, not going to lie. If I was doing a border crossing, I'm taking 400 pictures of my junk, man. There you, you go. want to go through my phone, there you go. And this is obviously not kitty porn, dude. <laughs> Look at my hairy ass crack. Keep going, right? I, I get what you're saying there, but I, I really never thought about that because I haven't, you know, since we've come into the electronic age, I've done very little, if any, international travel. But I know there's people that, you know, maybe it's weekly or monthly because of their jobs or their businesses and things like that. So that's good that you're there. Uh, you guys also have a Facebook group. Anything else you want to tell people about R3 contingencies before you go? If you're interested... We are life's backup plan. If Jack, you're interested, be happy to give you a discount. Okay. All right. And for those that want to check out the site, there'll be a link in the show notes. And um, I'm going to put up on the screen the uh, URL right now, which is r3-kon.com, r3con.com. Uh, you can check the site out there. Let's take – I had just two questions so far anyway uh, from the audience before I let you go. The Santos Lives says – Talk about discipline of children and how one can get hung up with that. Oh, <laughs> okay. So number one, number one rule, you never want to go to prison with anything mentioning children in your paperwork. You're going to have a bad time. You're going to get poked a lot. Okay. That's number one. Number two, there are a lot of people out there who just go about their job wrong. There, there's no other ways to say that. Instead of saying, hey, has Uncle Jack ever done anything weird or made you feel uncomfortable? And your grandkid looks at him and goes, no, what the heck are you talking about? What's wrong with you? Yeah. They say, so tell me about the last time Uncle Jack touched you. Okay. What? Yeah. And they have proven kids will feed into that, especially younger ones. Yeah. Because a lot of times they may not even know what they're saying, and then they can be steered. And I'd exactly. say they're not above that. Exactly. I think you have to be careful with kids, too, especially like the discipline question here, um, in things that you wouldn't normally think of. So, for instance, back when my grandson was about four or five, he had a complete nuclear meltdown. You know, because kids will do it at a Costco. And my son, being a good dad, took him outside in a parking lot till he calmed down and brought him back in. Well, while he's doing this, there's a couple onlookers. And they're just standing there watching as though he's somehow being abusive because the kid's throwing a fit. And he said something stuck with him. And when he took the kid out in the parking lot, he would normally take him to their car. He took him to, like, a different part of the parking lot so, like, they can't take it down a, a a license plate or something because you have no idea what's going to come of this. Cause my idea of what effective discipline is, is somebody else's idea of abuse. 
even if legally it's not, it doesn't matter. And now once the state's involved, and I'm going to tell you, is we're talking mostly about you know, t- typical you know, cops and prosecutors today. The other people you do not want in your life are CPS. I, I believe that some elements, not all, but some elements of CPS have literally become legalized state-assisted kidnapping at this point. And I've had shows on about that, and I've had people out of that system that have confirmed it, that, like, you're, there's no winning in that space. So I think he's right to ask about that. you got to be careful not just with what you're saying, but, like, how you deal with your kids in public. True. And random tangent on kids here, because a lot of states have what they call Romeo and Juliet laws. You know, right. like, you've been dating this girl, she's 16, you're 18, it's fine. It absolutely is. However, and this is one of those cases where I said, you know how you don't want to go to prison with anything with children in your jacket, in your paperwork? Because they do. They check that when you get through the door. There is one exception to that. If you're 18 and your girlfriend's 16 and you got tagged with possession of child porn. Because guess who it was? It was that girlfriend who you're legally allowed to have a relationship with. Yeah. However, if you do that dumb teenage thing that teenagers do, you have now broken a law and you are now going to prison with a jacket that'll stay with you for the rest of your life. And you're seeing some sort of child predator or something like that, which when you really are, you're like you're worthy of a wood chipper. If you actually did the thing that people think when they hear that. But here yeah, you're talking about an 18 year old with a 16 year old girlfriend and something in the situation went wrong. Correct. Now, mind you, the relationship, totally legal. Yeah. What, what you two sent back and forth in text messages? That's the illegal. problem. That's the people problem. on the outside, if they see that in your file or they go to look you up because you now have to register probably yeah. for the rest of your life as a sex offender, they are going to think that you diddled a little kid, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And they are going to treat you like the scum of the earth. However, people in prison, if you're 18 to 20, and coming in with that charge, they actually go, bum rap, dude. Yeah. 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 Um, 229 Mix says, years back, I thought the law was if they can get a dog to come while they, the, the on-site officer is writing your ticket, they could sniff your car. But now it seems they can just make you wait, question mark. And I think the officer can make you wait as long as he is, quote, unquote, conducting an investigation. Right. I've detained you and now I'm conducting an investigation. I think it makes a lot of sense. Say, am I free to leave? But I think they could draw that out as long as they need to. And they can bullshit. Um, we got pulled over about a year ago. I ended up not even getting a ticket for it. Uh, no front license plate. Just a opportunity for contact is, is all that is as far as I've never seen anybody get a ticket for it. Uh, but I've seen plenty of people get warnings for it. Use the excuse to pull you over. The guy was back there for 20 minutes on the radio. He was fishing for something. He couldn't find anything. And, you know, I'm still talking. Like, there's a lot of ways they could hold you until that canine officer gets there. There is. But in certain areas, don't quote me on this, but last time I checked, they did have rules saying they could only hold you for a, quote, unquote, reasonable amount of time. Okay. So if they have you on the, high to, the side of the highway for six hours, that's not reasonable. probably not reasonable. And again... They can still do it. For the record, if you ever have that question, can a cop do this? The answer is yes. They absolutely can. 
Yeah. Will it stick in courts? Totally different. Different question. Totally different question. Totally different question. And like you said, the delta between your day in court and this unauthorized action could be months and or months. Years. Or years. Like, spiteful people do spiteful things, and all humans get spiteful, and all the people that do this work are humans. That's just the reality of it. I mean, you want to talk about stuff getting held up for years? COVID. Sure. Courts literally shut down. What a so you imagine had you gotten caught with cotton candy at that point, you're literally sitting there in a prison waiting for years for some people, just waiting to get in front of a judge and have the prosecutor say, yeah, this is absolutely nothing. Our bad. Sorry. 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 Oops. Oopsie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, Kenny, I really appreciate you being with us today. You've probably waken up a lot of people who didn't think this was an issue in their lives. And I think we need to balance this. That doesn't mean to run around being completely paranoid of the police at all times. Because if every time you see a cop behind you or on the road, you get really nervous and you do stupid shit, you're going to get pulled over. So, like, go on with your life, but understand what your rights are. Understand when to shut up. How to, Like we said, balance being nice with not giving them information they don't need to have. And then if you do get arrested, I'm going to say at that point, shut your effing mouth. I mean, once you are hooked up and you're going, nothing. Like, no words, no nothing. Lawyer. That is the only thing. Correct. Anything you say can and will be used against you. And if you say something exculpatory. Yeah. And during the trial, if your lawyer goes to, oh, and what did he say about this? The prosecution will say, objection, hearsay. And the yeah. judge will be like, yep, you're right. Wait. So the cop can say stuff to convict me, but not stuff to help me? Correct. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Kenny, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Jack. All right, folks, real quick before I wrap up, I want to remind you guys that you can help support the show and the work that we do by doing your online shopping beginning at tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. Today's item of the day is one that, you know, it's been a long time coming, actually. I have recommended various EDC flashlights forever. I've had plenty of inquiries about the CR123 battery lights because they have more power, they're brighter, they last longer, yada, yada. It's superior technology. As you guys know, or long-term listeners, I know that. I acknowledge it. I don't hate CR123s. What I don't like is being stuck with them, to be stuck with them. Well, this little light that I have now, this is made by Streamlight. I recently mentioned it. I've been carrying it for a few weeks now. I'm now confident in recommending it. It is the ProTac 1L1AA dual fuel. What the hell is dual fuel? Isn't that like a, a generator or something? Well, sort of. What they've actually done is they've taken this little light and they've made it where I can use AA's or CR123's in this light. I have a video that goes through all of it, but I'll just show you real quick here how that works. So in this light right now is a CR123 battery, a little short stubby guy. And when that goes in there and I push down hard, it won't go any further in. They've put basically a shoulder on the inside of, of, of the cylinder to hold it at that distance and allow it to make contact so that it can actually power the flashlight. However, if I take a double A and put it in this light, since it's smaller than the little walls on the cylinder, it has a spring pressure that can go in. 
That way I can use either or. Now I get the superior performance of the CR123, but I'm not locked into it. Why does that matter? Well, I have rechargeable AA batteries. I have AA batteries in every remote control in my house. I have AA batteries in the little power modules that open and close my automatic drapes. There are uh, lights all over the place that people have in their yards. If I had to scavenge in an end-of-the-world situation, little lights that are they got a little solar panel on them, little uh, uh, lawn lights. AA batteries, guys, they're the 12-gauge shotgun shells of batteries. They're in every single Eckerd Drugs, every single 7-Eleven. You can always get AA batteries. The performance of the light will go down somewhat, but it's still very bright, very effective, and now I have an either-or scenario. This is a great light. I really recommend you check it out. But remember, you can help us out no matter what you buy, as long as you do your online shopping starting at tspaz.com. The other way to do that is uh, to support us is become a member of the MSB. You get discounts on just a ton of great stuff. Use the discounts, get your money back, support the show. Learn more today at the survivalpodcast.com forward slash members, or just go to the site and click on the members tab to learn more. With that, I'll be back tomorrow with the Just Jack show to round out the week. Are they going to bail you out to just run you around? They said you should have a house. American way Dollar down A dollar a month And you never have to pay There's a better way To do this Let me show you A better way Show.